Hello, all you beautiful people, and welcome to the Glorious in the Mundane podcast. I'm your host, Christy Knuckles. I hope you are enjoying your last bits of summer because I'm sure you've noticed by now that there's school supplies at every local store. I mean, I literally watched it go from red, white, and blue for the 4th of July one day to walk in literally the next day and find lunchboxes, notebooks, and rulers. I just can't. I'm going to choose to stay in denial on that particular subject for at least one more week. Our oldest, Noah, is in public school, and he starts in two weeks. So we're just going to enjoy every last bit of these lazy summer days. I'm homeschooling my two girls again this year, but I've yet to actually nail down what curriculum we're doing and what I should order. But I figure even if I order it within the next week, that's still earlier than I ordered it last year. So everything's going to be okay. Deep breath, everyone. And speaking of deep breaths, our firstborn, Noah Luke, turns 16 this week. I just can't even believe those words are coming out of my mouth. Everyone warned me that I'd blink and it would be here. And it's here and it's so surreal. It's literally like time travel surreal. My oldest brother, Sean, and his family are here all week, plus my parents and then my brother, Eric, comes in with his family over the weekend because we're all going to celebrate Noah. But we were gathering around my almost three-month-old nephew yesterday afternoon, and my sister-in-law pointed out that he is just now about nine and a half pounds. And we all laughed because at three months, he's almost as big as Noah was when he was born. Noah was nine pounds, 14 ounces. Thank you very much. The nurses at the hospital called him the king of the nursery. It's so funny that he was that chunky when he was born because now he's one of those kids who can eat and eat and eat and still look like he needs to eat. Um, Noah, from the time he was born, has been a force to be reckoned with, we like to say, and we actually mean that in the best way. He is a force of joy in our home today, but I have to say, when he was little, he was a little bit more of like a freight train of emotions. And as a first-time mom... And really, first-time parents, I mean, Nathan would say the same thing. We had no idea that Noah was strong-willed because I didn't have anything to compare it to. I remember being so offended one day when a friend of mine said, you know he's strong-willed, right? And I was like, no, he's not. And it's funny how when something is your normal, you just eventually adjust. And often it takes someone from the outside pointing out things in your little world as you know it. And of course, after that, I started to buy every book on strong-willed children and the spirited child. And of course, you know, some of it helped me. Those things are great resources. But after a while, you realize, and especially after you have more children, is that children go through seasons just like we do. One season, they might be dealing with something completely different than the next. And just when you've gotten them settled in on something, something else changes. They're growing and they're being molded into the people that God wants them to be. So there's that. But I also know, as you well know, that the enemy has this tactic that sometimes the best way to get to us is to attack the people that we're closest to or maybe the things we're involved in that are dearest to our hearts. Again, it's crazy when something is your normal, how you often don't stop and recognize that your children are literally targets of the enemy. He wants to get to them to get to you. Noah knows that when I say this, that I'm not shaming him in any way. It's actually kind of mind-boggling to him as well. But when he was about nine or 10 years old, I cried at least once a day during that season because he pushed every button that I have and every button of every nanny that helped out with him. And in fact, we were kind of 
beyond buttons there for a while. It was just so full on. And I remember I was so desperate to find answers to help Noah. And when we even spent some time with a counselor to help me communicate with him in the right way. And that was helpful. But I remember, you know, as a mom, you just in the journey sometimes, especially when it's an emotional thing, you're just like, enough is enough. And I felt like there was some specific way that Noah was feeling shame and it was causing him to sort of explode on me or even Nathan around that time of his life. So we started praying and one day Noah finally, after we had prayed and just, I really was asking the Lord to help us shed light on it. He opened up to us and turns out it was something that we could pray through with him that truly set him free. Nathan used the analogy with Noah of keeping the light switch on in his heart. And when we bring things into the light, things that the enemy's lying to us about or things that are making us feel shameful, we can pray and flip the light on in our heart and God exposes everything for what it is. He exposes any kind of sin for what it is, any kind of lie. But most importantly, He exposes the child that He made us to be, full and free. And that stubbornness that I was talking about in Noah has actually turned out to be such a great thing. He knows what He likes, and He knows what He wants to be about. And that's actually something that we celebrate in Him now. Honestly, this is crazy, But if I could freeze Noah at 16 for about four years, or maybe even five, I would. So for those of you with spirited younger boys out there, (laughs) there's hope that all that spirit can actually be channeled towards something really good. One thing that helped, drums. Noah is now a drummer and even plays for our students on Wednesday nights periodically at our church. He just needed a place for all that energy, too. The drum kit in his little home studio has been the place where he's worked out much of his creativity and his energy. Anyway, all that to say, happiest 16th to our firstborn, Noah Luke Knuckles. His name, by the way, means peaceful bringer of light. I love that. Well, I hope you were able to tune in last week to episode number four with Lauren Chandler. So much of what I shared and what she shared is what burns on my heart for women and really just people in general about learning to live from a place of deep soul rest, truly trusting God with your life in every way, in a practical way. And I read Psalm 37, 4 through 7, which I also shared was literally the verse that I came to know Jesus on a personal level through. I was seven, and I learned to handwrite part of this passage, and sitting in church, I gave it to my mom, this little piece of paper that I still have, by the way, and it was this verse handwritten on it, and in that moment, I told you that she turned it over, and she had the wisdom to say, yes, if Christy gives her heart to Jesus, he will show her the way to go, and this was that moment that God gripped my heart for the first time about trusting him with my life, and then now, many years later, as I've been telling this story, this farm table epiphany. God brought this verse back to my heart in that time after cleaning a toilet. Again, hearing last week's podcast will shed more light around so much of this, but I really wanted to talk about specifically what it has looked like to start living from that bullseye. Psalm 37, 4 through 7 says again, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust in him and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. 
as I shared when I read that passage again that day at my table, the word give jumped off the page at me. I'd always read verse 4 selfishly to mean something like, Jesus, if I make you my focus now, somehow you'll eventually give me what I want. But God had started turning everything upside down, starting with the toilet cleaning that day. Again, that is so last episode. But I saw that word give in a whole new light. Take delight and he will give you your heart's desires. But I read it to mean for the first time, he will show you what your desires are in every season. And maybe I'm the last one to show up to the party on this whole thought, but it literally changed my life. I think the sweetest part was that God showed me that life was so much more than about just my dreams and desires coming true. The fact that an intentional God who created this world has dreams and desires to put in me, that changed my life. Things that I couldn't think up. God-sized moments that only He could orchestrate. This was the first time I realized that the only way that I could truly have it all was to live from that bullseye. Living in that kind of trust released me from having to carry the weight of my own cause. Verse 6 says, He will make your innocence shine like the dawn and the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. The message version says, He'll validate your life in the clear light of day, and He'll stamp you with approval at high noon. I began to see that in trusting God with my cause, it freed me to live how He fully intended me to live. He never intended for me to depend on man to put me on the map. The relationships in our lives are meant for joy and co-laboring, not for coming in with an angle and buttering up people and rubbing elbows with the bigwigs. We're the children of God. We belong to the greatest dream giver there is. He wired us specifically and knows what our cause is. My cause in life, which flows directly out of my identity, which is a beloved daughter of God, is to write songs that help people communicate with a living God. To me, your cause is what is burning on your heart. It's what keeps you up at night. It's what occupies your head and your heart space. It's what brings tears to your eyes when you get to be a part of it finally. To me, I'm taking the liberty to say that's your cause. Letting go of your cause is the beginning of truly living. What happens is you start to see the world around you for the first time in a new light. Instead of seeing what people can do for you, you start looking at people like, what can I learn about them and what can I do for them? You start noticing other people's causes when you trust God with your own. And when you know that he's got your cause, you start helping other people see their cause and you offer to carry it for them for a while. One of these days, I'm going to have my brother Eric on as a special guest. This is something that he's big on and he's almost like a broken record on this subject, which honestly, that's what I need sometimes, just putting truth on repeat until it seeps into my heart and this head of mine. But he reminds me all the time, Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, works prepared in advance for us to walk in. This is the kicker. The way you have it all is you start out every day in the bullseye. It's how you know your kingdom assignments for the day. It's how you recognize what's been prepared in advance for you to walk in. Get close to the heart of God. Know yourself. Know his heart. Recognize that he's holding all things together. That includes you and your cause and anything else you've got going on in your world today. Jesus said his yoke is easy and his burden is light. 
That's how you recognize when it's something prepared in advance. It's the unforced rhythms of grace, as the message says in Matthew 11. That's how those outer rings of that target sign, if you will, should feel unforced, prepared in advance, walking into something thought up by the God who made you. I don't know about you, but that just excites me way more than living out a bunch of empty yeses because I basically just had FOMO about life in general. That's the fear of missing out, by the way. Or that I simply couldn't trust God with my calendar or my career or my life. There's something about our belief in it all. That's the kicker. It's the posture of our heart. It's, I will be still and know today that you are God. It's a stillness of our minds and our hearts, a trust that runs so deep that you're willing to even miss out on whatever you need to miss out on in order to say with your life, God, I'm 100% yours today. I belong to you, and I trust you that you're holding up my cause. I thought I'd throw in a quick story of one of the first but countless times that God has shown me that he's holding up my cause and that I can trust him with it. This was right in that window of time that I've been talking about, that we had shut down our watermark world. I had been home, basically not traveling or even songwriting much of that time. I had no manager, no record label, which sort of felt like me just hanging out in the breeze some days. Annie Rose was still under a year old, so I'm sure I was still in that, you know, frumpy mom headspace. But I remember out of nowhere, I got an email invite to sing at the Dove Awards. I had sung on an album called Compassion Art for Michael W. Smith several months before that. I agreed by email to be a part of the performance at the awards, not really knowing what I was getting myself into or what it was going to look like. But keep in mind, there's just not much real estate to go around on the Dove Awards. Usually the performers and people involved had a manager or a record label lobbying for them to be on that spot. And I had none of those things. I remember the day of the awards was such a crazy day. Our house had sold, and we had our inspection that day. So I had been busy all day cleaning up and packing things up. We had to be out of the house. And I finally got in my car, and I probably had a pity party or two, if I remember, about what I had picked out to wear because it wasn't great. It was something I already had. And overall, I'm actually a really shy person, so walking in that day, it was hard for me. This is often something that can be misread about people like me because you think she sings in front of thousands, she has a podcast, etc. She must really know how to light up a room. Well, I don't. In fact, I'm most comfortable against the wall, taking in the room from a distance. And this isn't because I don't want to be involved. I actually do. It's just that I'm actually most comfortable not being in the center of the action I'm being completely honest when I say that. In fact, all the Dove Awards prior, if I was ever nominated for anything, I would sit there with hives on my neck, hoping that someone else would win so I wouldn't have to actually get up and speak at the microphone. I've gotten over that a little bit over time, but all in all, I'm an introvert, and I'm truly happy being quiet most of the time. So when I walked in and I saw some familiar faces at the rehearsal that day, that was very much a welcomed thing. A stage manager came up to me and welcomed me, gave me my microphone, showed me where to stand. And there's no playing around at the Devil Word rehearsals. They don't care if you can't hear in your monitor. You just kind of stand where you're told, look pretty, sing your part. And as I was standing there waiting, Paul Balash came up to me and stood to my right with his guitar. He gave me a warm hug. Nathan and I say that Paul's heart for worship marked us both in our college years. And now standing to my left was Stephen Curtis Chapman who said, hi, Christy, with a little hug as he tuned his guitar and we chatted about our kids back and forth. 
Need I say how much his music had marked Nathan and I as kids? Unreal. Then my buddy Chris Tomlin rolls up behind me and taps me on the shoulder, smiles, and says, Hey, girl. And Chris has been like a brother to me for many years, and we've served passion conferences together. And I remember I hadn't seen him in a while, so it was so good to catch up. But in my head, I was thinking, wow, he's singing on this song too. I looked down, and next to Paul was Israel Houghton. And then, of course, Michael W. was there on the piano, and I went over and gave him a hug. Michael, along with his label, Rockettown Records, had taken a huge chance on Nathan and I years before because they signed us as Watermark. And of course, we were literally raised on Michael's music, so it was always an honor to get to lead with him. And as we took our places, there I was, in my eyes, just a mama who had cleaned her house all day, tirelessly getting ready for a home inspection. But there I was in the middle of these men, worship leaders and modern hymn writers of our day, and some of them literally heroes to me as a child. I felt so humbled and so honored to be standing there to get to lead the praises of God with the people of God. And I was just so blown away that he had prepared this moment for me. He contended for it. He lobbied for me. He held up my cause. I headed to my dressing room, knowing at the Doves, at times, you were literally shoved in a tiny room with 15 other women, sometimes men too, and that's your space for the evening. It's happened to me. In fact, I was prepared to get dressed in a bathroom stall and do my makeup with a handheld mirror, which has also happened to me before. And I walked up, and there were only two names on the dressing room door that was assigned to me. It said Christy Knuckles slash Amy Grant. And I stood there, and I was just quiet for a minute before I opened the door. I know Amy's just a mama like me and is actually one of the most down-to-earth people around, but God knew I had listened to this woman since I was six years old. This time, I think he was just literally showing off. He knows the countless hours I listened to her songs, such truth-shaping moments in my life, formative moments and foundational for me. When I walked in, Amy was sprawled out on the couch with her bare feet up, and she said, Hey there, Rumi. And we had met a time or two, I think, before, but I'd never really gotten a chance to chat with her. I was typical shy me, wanting to just not be in her way, but she sat down and offered me half of her cheeseburger, And I, of course, quietly said, oh, I'm good. She says, I know you want some, as she just started cutting it in half for me. She said, so don't even try to say no. I was, of course, starving and hadn't eaten all day, so I was internally grateful. We chatted for just a minute, and then I just started telling her about my experience that day, that I had no idea what I was walking into, that I felt like it was something that God had prepared for me to show me that he had a hold of my cause and that he was lifting me up when I couldn't lift anything, really. I'm sure Amy was like, who is this person, and what in the world is she talking about? But she was actually really gracious, and she opened up to me about the early years of her being on the road and being a mom at the same time. And she shared a lot of wisdom from her own journey, and she even played me a new song that she was working on and asked me what I thought about it. And the sweetest part is that, yes, all of that was so special and intentional and thought out, And honestly, conversations that I could never have even dreamed up when I was a kid or in college. But my true delight in that moment really was the dream giver. It's like when he finally offers to us the things that we've dreamed up or it somehow pales in comparison to him. I kind of wanted to just get in my car and be alone because I was most consumed in that moment with not the dream, but the dream giver. 
that he took the time to show me that if he put it in me, he'd promote it all on his own. It spoke to my heart with a deep knowing in the days that followed. He planned all that out a long time before that to show me he can be trusted with my cause, that I can truly let go and be who he's made me to be, and with no manager, no label, no anything, still be able to show up and sing at an award show for the kind of music I make. Now, I'm not saying that the devil words are the end all, but at that time, it just represented to me all that I had given up, and God knew that. He was showing me that He's the God of everything I gave up, and that He'll put me where I need to be on this earth right when I need to be there. He knew that getting to sing with my peers and heroes was deeply meaningful to me at a time in my life when singing was more few and far between. When mainly lullabies were my worship songs and the rocking chair was my platform, he knew that Amy Grant represented all my dreams as a little girl, things I never told anyone, how I just always knew in my heart that I would sing and travel and lead people in worship, things I knew but never told a soul. He was reinforcing and bringing home the idea that he sees me, he knows me, and that he dreams bigger dreams than I do. But all in all, when it's all said and done, He's after my heart, and I love that it goes full circle back to delight yourself in the Lord. Yes, He gives us our dreams and desires, but we are most blessed when we become consumed with Him. I'm so happy to say that my guest today is the lovely Jamie Ivy. Jamie has been a huge inspiration to me for this podcast. I'm sure for many of you, you know exactly who I'm talking about, and you've been so blessed by her podcast called The Happy Hour. She's almost at 100 episodes, I believe. I was just looking and is running full force with it, and I'm just so proud of her. I wanted to turn the table on her a bit and ask her the questions today. You're going to love to get to hear from her in a different way, hopefully. Jamie has an ease about her that is very winsome, and I can see why God is using her so powerfully to tell stories, big and small. She's given a voice to many women who are serving God faithfully every day, And that's just what we should be about if God has given us a platform to do so. Jamie and her worship leader slash amazing husband, Aaron, have four kids, and they make their home in beautiful Austin, Texas. So enjoy this conversation today as I sit around the table with Jamie Ivey. Well, I'm sitting here with Miss Jamie Ivey. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. I'm in your hometown. You are. Welcome to Austin. Thanks. Have you had a breakfast taco yet? That's what we haven't had. See? My friend Kristen's with me, Uh and we did have Mexican last night. We went to um, Trudy's. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Out in with Janet? Yes. Okay. And Jesse was really mad because he was like, it wasn't the vibe that he was hoping that Janet would... Well, amazing food, but the vibe. We agree with that Trudy's out there. It was way better (laughs) in Austin, but we eat there a lot, too. He was going to take... She was going to take us to um, Pius Mm, Pizza. Yeah. And there's this place in New York that we all love, like Jesse for years, Lombardi's in New York. And he was like, it's better than Lombardi's. And I was like, I can't. How can it be? Imagine that. But I've never been there yet. But so funny because we pulled up and there was a sign that said, we're on vacation. And the whole place is shut down. Oh. We're like only <laughs> only in, in Texas. Fact, yeah, we're just going out. So funny. Yeah. But, well, I'm so excited that you would take the time because I know that your world is... Busy and 
you've got your own podcast. I do. Yes, but I absolutely love being on the other side of the microphone. I bet. I don't have to think that much. Uh-huh. I mean, I have to think, but you know what yeah. I mean? Like, you're in charge. Well, yikes. <laughs> um, well, so this has been a dream of mine for a while now that I was telling Jenny Allen um, earlier that, like, I hadn't really told very many people. It was just kind of something that was like, that would be so yeah. fun, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just another medium that, um, as an artist, I think is just a fun thing to explore. And my husband loves podcasts. It's actually one of his favorite things. And he, when he, he runs pretty much every day and he listens, he has his favorites. And I always love it because I homeschool my two girls and often he'll come in and we get a lesson on whatever he listened to. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really fun. Uh-huh. It's the beauty of also just homeschooling and getting a, a lesson. He came in. Um, so I don't, I don't know what he listened to, but he came in the other day and this is what he had learned on a podcast that they're, um, back, um, during the war, um, world war two, I believe it was world war two. Um, these submarines were hearing these, what sounded like fireworks underneath the ocean yeah and they couldn't figure out what it was long story short they figured out after all this research that it is this thing it's a little shrimp i think that aaron has listened to this exact same one seriously and it's like they have a little claw and they snap their claw Uh and in that power of that little gush of water that their little whatever snapper yeah um is the heat of the sun and it's like the the velocity of it. It's it's like crazy. Just I mean, you think about it, like that's just crazy. But like all of it together, it was literally sounding like booms underneath the water. Uh-huh. And then apparently, if you hear it above the water, it sounds like bacon frying. Oh, I think they're called. I literally um, think that Aaron has told me about this. That's so funny. Yeah, podcasts. Podcasts. I love them, and I just I listen to a lot of shows and. I'm the same way. I just like to learn stuff on them, and mm-hmm. they're so much fun. Yeah. Well, so tell me a little bit about um, how it started for you. Like, was it kind of like a little dream in your heart, and you didn't really tell very many people, or did you tell everybody? Or <laughs> Well, podcasting for me started because what some people don't know is that about five years ago, I worked in radio. Okay. See? You didn't know that about no. me, did you? I know. So... I was just doing my thing, mom, my kids had been home from Haiti about a year. I was writing on my blog, but not really exploring very much outside of just Mm -hmm. everyday life that I was living. And here in Austin, they had a contest for a radio station and you could send in a demo. And so I came home and I heard it, I was driving and I came home and I remember Aaron had the flu, but I was like, you have to help me like today. And he was like, I'm not helping you. I mean, we have a studio (laughs) in our backyard, you know, kind of like you. I'm like, you have to help me. Like I need help. And so he like walks back there all sick boy and he gets behind whatever <laughs> people do when they record stuff. And I made this 30 second demo. I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but I was like, Hey, this is Jamie. I mean, <laughs> I was such a dork. So you're like trying not to be a DJ. Trying like, out to like, be a DJ. That's amazing. Just thinking this is kind of cool. And so I sent it in and just over the process, like at first it was like social media, how uh-huh. many votes you could get. So it's kind of like American Idol for oh Austin gosh. DJ. Long story short, I ended up winning. Like, I won the job. (laughs) So, 
I started working in radio and I got there and I knew nothing, but I loved it. I loved, I had never spoken into a microphone, you know, I mean, Aaron's on stage and worship leader and Mm -hmm. it was all new to me and I loved it. I loved having a voice. I worked with all men. So I was like the only female voice. Um, I probably was really like very conservative for everyone there. Mm -hmm. And so... But all that to say, I ended up quitting after a couple months just because it was really hard on my family. Okay. Just really hard. But that put this something in me where I was like, I like this. Yeah. I like talking to people. I like sharing. I like a voice. I like encouraging people. So then I was on a show about a year later, and I thought, I could do that. Like, Mm. I could do that. And so just a couple months went by, and I just started it. Like, literally, if you listen to the first episodes... You know to yourself, she did not have a clue what she was doing. <laughs> like, Chrissy, your first episodes are amazing. And you've got, like, people. I, just because I've been listening to your whatever. <laughs> I'm always like, I wish people are like, I want to start, start a show, but I don't know what to do. I'm like, don't worry. Go listen to my first 10. And you'll know that and you too can do it. <laughs> Content was great. I had great people. But, so I just started. And it's been two years. And I'm about to hit 100 episodes. Uh, it's crazy. I'm so proud of you. I was so... Like, I knew you were doing this. I mean, we've got, like, so many mutual friends, especially through, like, If Gathering mm-hmm. and Me being in Austin. And I've seen you over the last few years and got to lead with your husband mm-hmm. at If Gathering, which was just so fun to, like, meet new people and lead, you know, just yeah. with, like, someone completely new. Uh-huh. But I met you guys, and it's just so fun. I mean, I got on iTunes and started searching and subscribed to your mm-hmm. um, podcast. And I was just so happy to see I was reading everyone's reviews yeah. and that just made me so proud of you like thank you for just going for it but then you've really you've become really excellent yeah well, thank you it's just so inspiring and I, I don't um I really don't think that I'll um take it to the level that you have. <laughs> I hope you do because <laughs> um, I'm like wow that's that's the that's the full-on thing but um it's just I'm really proud of you and I all I just love um how it connects women Thanks. and mm-hmm. just the content of course and and um what is it do you think that you love about it the most like mm-hmm. you're obviously I think I've had to I've had to be like this being an artist for years of kind of having to think on your feet mm-hmm. um in interviews yeah. and sometimes it depends like if I'm really interested in and I'm I can follow and it comes naturally for me then it's easy but like um you know, is it the thinking on your feet part that you're just like, I love that and I don't know what I'm going to say and it's kind of yeah. scary, but then it just comes yeah. out or like, what do you love about it? I, I love pulling things out of people. And so the interview part for me, I, I, I don't send my guests questions we're going to ask. I don't mm-hmm. really tell them where we're going to go. I have an idea of where I want us to end up. Okay. And so for me, it's a challenge of how do I get them there? Um, and so I like just asking them questions, make them feel comfortable. Just like if you and I were having coffee, that's what I want the show to sound like. Yeah. And so I really believe that stories really matter and Mm -hmm. stories change. Every woman that comes on has a story. And Mm -hmm. so for me, it's encouraging. I'll give you an example. Just last night I had an event and it was, it was a happy hour event. That's the name of my show. Not just like Mm -hmm. a happy hour. It was a a podcast event and a girl came up to me and this is what makes me want to keep doing the show. She came up to me and she's like, I've been praying for years and my sister would come back to church and, you know, just really start like pursuing her relationship with God again. And I've been praying and praying and praying. 
And she told me a couple months ago, she's been listening to your show and just things are changing. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's like, this is worth it because mm-hmm. it's not just Jamie Ivy. Every week I get to talk to whoever, whether yeah. it be Christy Knuckles or Jenny or Annie, whoever it is. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I want these women's stories to go out to see, for people to see this is what God's doing in people's lives, mm-hmm. you know? And so for me, it's, it's fun too. I mean, I really, really love it and it's exciting and it's, it's grown a lot and I really, I'm loving it. Did it surprise you? Totally. Totally. I mean, the first podcast I wanted to start, I was laughing about this with a friend last night, is I wanted to start a podcast that was a Bachelor recap. (laughs) (laughs) That was my first idea for a show. I was going to watch The Bachelor or Bachelorette and then my friend and I were going to like put a show out and I told Aaron about it and he's, and he basically was like, you cannot do that. <laughs> Which I should like thank him daily for putting a stop to that. Oh my gosh. I love that. Isn't it just so anti what I do now? But it's, it's so funny. Yeah. So that was the first show I wanted to do and <laughs> thankfully that didn't come out of art. But I did. I just started like, this will be fun and... And then probably about, you know, almost a year ago is when I decided, hey, let's really do this. And, you know, um, it's been interesting for me, too. Like, I've started to feel I've never, ever considered myself a creative person. Mm. Like, that's what Aaron does. Aaron's creative. You know, Mm. he's a songwriter. He leads worship. Um, I'm just, I don't know what I would, I would just be like, I'm just Jamie. Like, I'm not creative. Mm. But doing the podcast has really helped me see that that I have created something, you know? And so... People have helped me see that, you know? And so it's fun because I dream about how I want it to be and I dream about things to do. And Mm. so I feel like I am creating in a different way than Aaron does. Mm -hmm. And I think I've come to realize that's okay. Yeah. Like creative doesn't equal songwriter. Yeah. You know? And so I'm kind of trying to own that. Yeah. It's like you can organize a closet and it could be creative. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're putting like the skills that you have in, you're creating something. uh You know? And bringing, bringing to order mm-hmm. is really what I think songwriting is. Is I think there's all these truths are already out there. Yes, yeah, it's like in. bringing them to order. And yeah. like you said, that you already have a sort of an arc of, you know, where you want to end up, yeah. and mm-hmm. that's like that's yeah. like a whole mm-hmm. a journey. Speaking um, of songwriting, um, do you know that a bucket list dream of mine is to write a song with Aaron? Really? Yeah, I tell him all the time, and he never has yet to invite me to a songwriting <laughs> session. So you're using my podcast as a platform to also reiterate. I'm like, your- if Christine Nathan can do it, Aaron, <laughs> come on, bring me in. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah. Oh. Well, maybe y'all two could write a song together, right. and I could join. <laughs> we could join in. Yeah. Oh, that is yeah. so sweet. Yeah. Aaron loved leading worship with you. I loved meeting him and his guys and it was just so um it's just neat to see to me different people's like I call it like a mantle Mm -hmm. like if when I feel like when God um puts like um when he calls someone especially like to me like I don't know I love equating worship leaders to like leave the Levite days Mm -hmm. of like just what that was such a special calling and so um but it's just neat when you see like a real specific um, way that someone leads people mm-hmm. and I can see that with, with, with Aaron and just mm-hmm. kind of the way he, um, the kind of truth he brings into what he says yeah. when mm-hmm. he's leading yeah. and, and the, the song choice, mm-hmm. you know, and like just all that stuff, because I've led with a lot of other, um, men, you know, through the years of like, um, leading with passion and things like that. And, all of them are so different mm-hmm. and some of them are easier to follow than others. Mm-hmm. And 
And I think, I think too, it was just like a Holy Spirit moment where the if gathering was, I mean, Jenny and I just talked about just like, I remember hugging her that first day and she was literally physically shaking and just the way it all came together. And I, I think even just Aaron and his whole band, we were all just like, that was the Holy Spirit. I mean, yeah. we gelled. It was amazing. I just got chills. Yeah. Because I remember. Um, like when first, he would yeah. go up, I would go up. And it was it like was these crazy. And like, it was like, we, we didn't even rehearse this. Like, <laughs> it, was just, it was so sweet. Yeah, it turned out amazing. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. Um, well, so speaking of stories and how they matter, I don't know much about you. Like, just brief synopsis of like. I know that's terrible, but yeah. Give your story in a nutshell. It's my story in a nutshell. <laughs> well, I grew up in church, and so I always say like I've been in church forever. In Texas, um, yeah, in Texas. Okay. So I grew up in church, going to church. Um, probably, I know I would have said that I was a, a believer um, from a young age, um, but I got into high school and really started to just make a lot of poor choices, mm-hmm. and really, really um, wasn't following God at all. I don't like. To, I don't want to say that I walked away because I honestly, looking back, don't know that I ever right. really, really loved Him with everything that I had, mm-hmm. and so um, got into high school and made a bunch of poor choices. Um, went off to college and just mm-hmm. continued down that kind of reckless lifestyle with um, boys and alcohol, partying, mm-hmm. just. Yeah. living the life and then it just came crashing down my sophomore year of my college my sophomore year of college mm. um i ended up getting pregnant really yeah and so there i was having to tell my parents and mm. it's like everything just kind of fell you know mm-hmm. and it was like everything just kind of caught up mm. um and then I ended up having a miscarriage i moved home and um over the next couple of years god really really chased me down i mean that's all it could be is him chasing because i knew so much you know, I, I grew up going to church. I was yeah. in Bible drill. I did all kinds of church things. And it was really passion of, um, I always mess this up. So it was in Dallas. Yeah. And it would have been, I think, 99. Yeah. Were you there? Uh-huh. Isn't that crazy? Yes. What's it even is. crazier is I rode up to passion with Aaron, my husband now, and another mm-hmm. girl. But we didn't, that was the first time we ever really, when I mean, we had known who each other uh-huh. was. He was working at the church my parents went to. It was really that event, which it's a God thing that I even went. I mean, Mm. I was not pursuing God. I was Mm. like going to church with my parents because that's just what I always did. It was not abnormal to go to church. Um, But man, I have no idea what Beth um, Moore was speaking about. I couldn't tell you to this day. But I remember feeling as though, oh my gosh, she's talking like to me. And I Mm. just, in that whole room of thousands of people, God really started chasing me. So my life really started to change a lot then. I would say that's when I started really pursuing following Jesus, and it was it was a rocky road. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have this like conversion. Oh my gosh, I'm different. I'm never going to screw up again. Mm-hmm. It was a hard journey for me, and there were other pitfalls and there were other valleys, um, but God was like relentless and mm-hmm. just chasing me down, and you know. And then almost two years, two and a half years later, I married Aaron and wow, became a pastor's wife, and <laughs> that was like. <laughs> so hard for me and then we moved to Nashville in five years and then here we are eight years in Austin four kids later I mean that's a nutshell but that's where it is yeah yeah I noticed you had a you had a 615 number and I didn't realize when you called me earlier or you texted earlier I was like oh my gosh do they live there that's a Nashville I know we were in Murfreesboro for five years 
Yeah. Was he pastoring there then? Or? No, he was traveling full time. Okay. So he was traveling. I mean, you know, this life, he was gone, you know, 250, mm-hmm. 270 days a year. And mm-hmm. I was mom and two babies. And wow. it was a really good season. Um, but looking back, it was really, I, I don't want to call it hard. I look back and call it a very disconnect season yeah. for us. Not for us personally, but from us from the church, like yeah. a local body. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even know how disconnected we felt until mm-hmm. we came here. You know, I have some great friends there, some great friends, but everyone's gone so much and yeah. I was had babies and mm. it was just, it was a, a different season. Yeah. It wasn't bad. It was just different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then we've been here almost eight years. Wow. And you've been at Austin Stone? We've been at Austin Stone. That's what brought us here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Aaron um, came in to be a worship pastor and so mm-hmm. now he's head of all the worship stuff and mm-hmm. yeah. So, um... You have the podcast, and what other things do you find yourself busy with here and other ministry things? Or Yeah. So the podcast has been my pretty much number one focus for the past year and a half, for yeah. sure. It started two years ago. Um, I mean, I have a blog, but you're, <laughs> there's not much you're going to find there. <laughs> um, but I'm about to write a book, awesome. which is super exciting. I'm about to start that. It's going to be kind of storytelling, memoir, like my story, and just... Yeah. Everything I just told you in two minutes, you know, expanded yeah. um, with you know a lot of what God's done. Um, and then one of my most favorite things that I've been doing since August, and our mutual friend Janet does mm-hmm. it with me as well, is we've been serving in our local um, county jail. Wow. And so we've been, I, Janet just joined a couple months ago, and I've been there since August, and it's been such a fill for me. Mm. Um, I really started feeling, and I don't know if you've ever felt this way or anyone that's listening that's in ministry, mm. I really started feeling like, you know what, I do a lot of stuff for church people. Mm-hmm. Like, I do a lot of church stuff. Yeah. Podcast, um, I speak to women that are in churches, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just, my husband's a pastor, and I really just started asking God, will you bring me a place, will you take yeah. me someplace that's a little bit, I don't I don't use the word dirty, but I just meant, I wanted to get my hands dirty a little yeah. bit, you know? Mm-hmm. People aren't so churched, and so our friend Callie called and was like, "Hey, we start we're starting a prison ministry. Would you be interested?" Yes, mm. I'm in. So it's a joy. I mean, we go every week, and our program is to help them be equipped when they leave jail. Yeah. So help them with housing, jobs, but it's faith based. So we're always bringing the gospel, it's and amazing. so our hope is that they will be successful women when they leave. But man, mm. more than that. I hope is that they would know how much they're loved and, yeah. you know, give their life to the Lord. So mm. that's been a real fill for me. That's and that's amazing. what I've been doing these days. And yeah, mom to four and mm. podcasts and, you know, yeah. just living the life. Yeah. This um, theme, you know, has been the glorious and the mundane is what the podcast is called. And, um, and part of it is really trusting God with, the huge things that he's called you to, which for you, you know, it's this podcast and it's taken off and, um, and that's been amazing. And, and you, but I think I've, even in the last couple of years, I've thought, or the thoughts come to me, just, you know, the bigger, the things we are that we're involved in, I think there, there is so much merit and so much joy and fulfillment in what is seemingly small to the world. Mm-hmm. It's that kingdom of God thing where you start to see, like, the big thing is, yes, it's huge, and God's using it, and it's awesome. Like, so for me, that would be, like, my platform of leading worship, right. of writing songs, mm-hmm. and that's amazing, and I'm so glad, and I mean, he uses that in intricate mm-hmm. ways, but I find, I remember, I just remembering right now this time of sitting in a little coffee shop with 
um, it was just a couple of summers ago, um, with about seven moms whose, ch- whose children are um, in treatment for pediatric cancer. Mm-hmm. And n- none of them, to my knowledge, were believers. Maybe one of them. Mm-hmm. I think I talked to them. And I just sang this song that God had given me one Mother's Day um, called I'm Holding You Together. And it was so just like plankety-plank because mm-hmm. Nathan had a guitar, but we, it was just we're in a coffee shop and it's kind of loud. Yeah. And um, But it was like such, it felt like such a holy mm-hmm. moment of like, you know, to the world that seems like just, you know, you going in and out of a jail and mm-hmm. meeting with these yeah. women and that, um, that's not this big platform, right. but yeah. like, I just think it's so beautiful how often those are the things yeah. that like, it's like that it just does up. something. And, mm-hmm. and I think just what you're saying too, something that I really love about it as well is like the bear that the podcast becomes and maybe people would know my name or my platform for that is that in the jail, mm. like nobody's ever heard of the happy hour. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody, <laughs> you know, and I love that mm-hmm. because I just get to sit across from a woman who is so needy yeah. and she may be behind bars, but we're the same. Like, yeah. and we get to have this common ground that we both made mistakes and hers may be different or have bigger consequences than mine, mm. but she doesn't know my name. Yeah. She's never going to, not never, I hope she'd listen, you know, yeah. she hasn't heard of the happy hour, mm-hmm. but I just get to talk to her about what I really, really love. And that's just, man, how much God loves you. Yeah. And so I get to do that on a larger scale mm. through speaking and podcasting, but you're right. It's that walking into that jail, you know, that really makes me feel like this is so worth everything. Yeah. Yeah. I love it's it. Amazing. Mm-hmm. I find myself sometimes in those situations um, because of, I may not know their past. You know, I've been in a situation where, um, like, we've, I've gotten to sit with girls who've been trafficked and they've been rescued, and and often that that seems so completely removed from my world. And right. you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It really is closer than we all yeah, think. Right. But um, sometimes I let like the, kind of the enormity of what's happened to them and their story, mm-hmm. like almost make it like I don't even know what to say right now Mm -hmm. you know and have you had those moments sort of just yesterday (laughs) I was just telling a girl who was at my house this morning the story about yesterday I spoke with a woman and she was telling us her story and her story involved her being molested by her stepfather for years Mm -hmm. Um, and then her story involved her getting pregnant by him and him forcing her to have an abortion so here I am I mean Mm -hmm. this is not just your normal Tuesday morning information and she's telling us all this and I literally feel like, I, I don't know what to say here. Like, mm. this is too much. And she said to us, I, I'll never forget this. She looked at us. She's like, and I regret that day. I regret that day every day of my life. Mm. Wow. And my thought was, that's not your fault. Like, you didn't have a choice and you have a voice and you were 14. Mm. Um, and so I, got, I, I said that to her. I didn't know what else to say, but I just wanted her to hear, like, yeah. it's not your fault. Mm. You know, it's okay. And, you know, God loves you. And another moment, a girl looked at us and she said, she said, do you think God can really forgive me for all this? Wow. And I remember going home and really wrestling with God, like mm. not can he forgive her? Like I, that, yeah. that wasn't my wrestle, but my wrestle was God. Are you really all she needs? Mm. Like really? Like she yeah. needs a lot. Like she needs to be sober. She needs a house. She needs a support system. Mm-hmm. Can you really be all of that? And it was just, 
a wrestling thing for me that was good yeah. because I think in the church world, we're easy to say like, all you need is God. And I was like, yay, all we need is God. Mm. And then you're in prison and you're like, all you need is God. And they're like, yeah, I need a lot more than God. <laughs> like, right. I need a parole officer. I need to get out. And so it was mm. good for me. Like, That's great. It was good for me to really be able to look at her and say, yes, yeah. not only can God forgive you, but he is like, he can sustain you. Yeah. And he really loves you mm. and he really cares for you. Um, so it's been a good faith thing for me to not look at a woman who is middle class, 35, and her biggest struggle is that her husband's out of town two days a week. Right. You know, she's just to feed the kids all alone, you know? Yeah. But I get to look at someone whose biggest struggle is, man, I just, I crave alcohol. Yeah. I crave meth. Mm. I lost my kids. Yeah. Mm. And to have the same answer. Yeah. That's like, that's hard, but I, I believe it. Yeah. And, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, rubber rubber meets the road. Yeah, it is. It is. I'm like, if you're going to preach this and teach this to women that aren't in jail, and I'm not saying that us women that aren't in jail don't have big struggles. Right. We really do. Mm. Um, It has to matter to those women as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Um, So now that this is, it's taken off and you're carrying all of this, um, What's it been like? I know you had said that the radio job was tough on the family. Mm-hmm. Has that, have you been able to kind of find a new norm with, you know, scheduling and doing this? Do you do this from home? And yeah. All that? Yes. I do it for home, from home. And, you know, all my kids are in school now. And that's really that's the transition that ha- helped me be able to do more. Yeah. Is my daughter's story went to kindergarten. She'll be in third grade next year. Mm-hmm. And so when she went to kindergarten, it was like, oh, okay, like, I could do more and I have these, you know, eight hours a day to work. And so, yeah, it's been, I always say that I couldn't do what I do now five years ago. Like our family could not have thrived and obviously they didn't, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's been nice to see just um, having to wait on God to bring these moments to me. You know, I think I would have wanted to do what I'm doing now five years ago, Yeah, but I couldn't and it wasn't time. Yeah. And so I can see that now. Mm. Yeah. It's neat to look back, isn't it? And yeah. See. Mm-hmm. Through the waiting, it's there's like a purpose in that. Yeah. And then when did you kind of first know, like, it was time to kind of put the gas on, like, push on the gas a yeah. little? I mean, I was ready to push on the gas as soon as Storm went to kindergarten. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm ready for this. That was the gateway. Um, but the podcast has really helped open a lot of doors. You know, I've been speaking more and that. It's something I couldn't have done five years ago as well. Yeah. You know, our kids mm-hmm. are older and they're a lot more self-sustaining and mm-hmm. a lot more easier for Aaron to handle when I'm gone. Yeah. You know, he's a great dad, but mm-hmm. it's not his main role as caregiver. And so um, I think just within the past year and a half, it's really been like, okay, let's do this. And, mm. and I really, really love hearing from women, like, what the show means to them. Yeah. Like, that is just... I'm sure that you feel this way when someone's like that song really, and yeah. you're like, I put those are, those are the words that God put in me to yeah. give to the world. Mm. And I feel like that every time we put a show out, I'm like, this is what I want women mm. to be encouraged by. And so that is what makes me think I love this. Yeah. I love this so much is because as you know, podcasts are just up and coming and it's such an easy medium to meet people right where they are. And mm-hmm. I've just had countless people say, because of this episode, because of this guest, or when she said this, yeah, and then they tell me what 
like God showed them or what changed. And, you know, that's not me. That's just yeah. a good show that's a lot of people are helping, you know, so it's just, it's a lot of fun to see it come together. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, what was I going to ask you? Um, just what's, what does rest look like for you? Mm. Like that concept of maybe not even like physical rest because, because I think there's a certain urgency to the time that we live in right mm-hmm. now to um, provide the kind of content that you're providing yeah. and to be that mm-hmm. voice when someone's just driving down the road and yeah. they might be literally at their wits end. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had definitely people have told me, I mean, we've had people call in and say, oh, oh we had someone call, or we had a letter um, only a few weeks ago. I got it through passion people that were, a girl um, was sitting in her car and, um, was going to just take her life. She was going to yeah. take a, she had a bottle of pills mm-hmm. and she, she took them. She was in her sister's car parked somewhere and she took the pills and she, um, decided she was going to put on some music and just go to sleep. And the CD she chose was like a, some kind of mix that her sister had made. And the first song was a song that I had led on a passion CD. And she literally was like, it, she started the words started sinking in and she's like she called 911 and was like I've got to live you know that I mean is yeah. I mean when you hear that as like as an encouragement to you and everyone who puts out um material like this mm-hmm. any kind of artist is like mm-hmm. lifting up the Lord I'm like that is you, there could be hundreds of more stories like that mm-hmm. for anyone who's putting out material that will never hear and I hear you say that. I'm like, man, thank you, Jesus. That like, mm-hmm. thank you that you give us this opportunity to like be a voice for the yeah. kingdom. And I just don't take that lightly. And I know mm-hmm. for you as a worship leader, I think this about Aaron all the time is I think about what an honor it is. Mm-hmm. Like it almost, it makes me emotional to think of like what an honor it is to get to actually like lead God's mm-hmm. people into worship of yeah. him like that. That is unbelievably amazing to Mm -hmm. me. And I'm like, people that have that gifting and people that Mm -hmm. get the honor of doing that for the king, it's unbelievable. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's unbelievable. And I think that some songs that you have written or any worship leaders or songwriters like to think that they could be sung by churches, like underground churches. I mean, that right there can just send me into (laughs) like a, a mess. That's just, it's amazing. So... I did have a guy come up to me in the airport once who's from a country that is the church is underground. And they were singing. And he said, I just want you to know and tell your friends to, you know, he named off songwriter friends of ours. He was like, we sing all these songs underground. And I mean, just, did you just want to die on the floor? I just immediately then? called Nathan and I just almost couldn't speak. Just like I was when we got that letter from that girl. It was like, you just, for a moment in our kitchen, it was just quiet because yeah. it was just, you it was like holy, you yeah. know, just are like, this is amazing that we get to be a part of it, like you said. And, and as I was saying, I mean, it's, there's an urgency. Mm. Oh yeah. You asked about rest so and what, I went off on a tangent. No, so I, I went off on a tangent, <laughs> but I sense this like urgency with just where our world is mm. to, to, to be a voice. And, and that's, that's what I, I immediately was just so happy to see what you're doing, you know, because I just do feel like it connects people around truth and it connects mm-hmm. people around um, God weaving the story that he's weaving in people's lives yeah. and it's life-changing. And 
to be a voice that kind of breaks through that darkness and breaks through that mundane and that um, maybe someone having just the craziest yeah. week mm-hmm. or day ever. Um, but what I see when I, even as you're sitting here and what I love is um, I can see that you, that you love it. And it's like this thing that's flowing mm-hmm. from you. I know um, it takes a while in our lives and ministry and career and things to get to that place. Mm-hmm. But there is, a, I think you do this from a place of rest mm-hmm. Um, I can just see that and mm-hmm. sense that. And yeah. I don't know if you could speak into some of that. Whereas, like, I was um, telling Jenny earlier when we were talking um, that it's hard sometimes for me to find that line of when is, when is it just hard work and there's an urgency mm-hmm. and we just need to work hard and, mm-hmm. like, get the get the content out yeah. there. And then um, when is it just, like, I'm doing this from a place of exhaustion and I'm striving and yeah. I'm tired. And, yeah. um, and kind of for you, like, where's sort of that threshold, I guess, if that's making sense yeah. and like doing this from this place of rest and mm-hmm. kind of overflow and, yeah. um, and what does rest look like for you in, in the podcast coming yeah. out of just this sort of an overflow, which mm-hmm. is what it sounds like. Yeah. It feels like, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, well, I'll be completely honest and transparent and say, this is something that's really hard for me. Mm-hmm. Very hard. In fact, Aaron is constantly telling me, um, that I, he, he, he's quick to point out times where I'm not, resting in a way that is going to actually help me produce Mm -hmm. better and so you know um he'll talk a lot about like creativity art comes from a place of rest yeah um and that's something i knew that i'm learning because like you said when do we just we got to work hard and put our head down and do it Mm -hmm. and i'm a very hard worker i'm like i've got to get it done and i'm gonna work and i'm gonna work and i'm gonna work because i'm gonna i want to put out great product right yeah um but for me um i can tell when I am not resting and I'm learning this because I feel as though there's not much creative left in Mm, me. And so for rest for me also looks like if I'm thinking about rest from work and rest from creating, Mm -hmm. it actually looks to me like actually being around people who fill me up and not like mass amount of people, Mm -hmm. but I can really tend to work and work and work and work and not invest or be invested in. Yeah, that's a really big tenant, like a downfall that I have to fight. Mm. And so for me, it looks like, are we being intentional with bringing people into our world? And Aaron and I do that a lot in the masses. We love hosting big things at our house, but are we being intentional with inviting a couple in? And that's really filling for us. That's great. Very. Mm. Um, and so I don't think that really equals rest as in laying on a beach, which mm. that's really my favorite <laughs> rest, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, give me a, a beach and a book and I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but just really like having those random moments of not thinking about work and not thinking about anything, but mm-hmm. really resting with people and just listening to them and mm-hmm. investing and being invested in like that really is something that fills me up mm-hmm. um, and helps me kind of see this bigger world picture rather than just what's right in front of me that I'm trying to get done. Um, and so it doesn't sound like rest. No, I but love it is that. rest for my soul for sure. That's exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly what I mean. Yeah. And you you totally yeah. you got it. But um because we all have a different mm-hmm. um kind of I guess I keep using the word threshold, but just like when you know you're not doing yeah. something from a place of rest, you know that there's like this striving mm-hmm. whether for me that might be just like I'm too attentive on social media of mm-hmm. what the feedback's like or or if I'm just not just taking time to like sit and remember mm-hmm. or, um, and I am like that too. Like I've 
just kind of certain people that like I really draw from. But what I love is I saw that, um, and I think this is neat that you're telling me that it kind of falls in that like, because that's just, that's biblical. Like, I mean, that's a, that is like those things that are set up by God that are just principles that just work. Mm -hmm. It's like when you're being poured into and when you're pouring in, Mm -hmm. there's fulfillment. So it's like reaping and sowing and like that whole process just works. And, um, but I saw that like you, do you, are you meeting with people? Some, are you kind of wanting to meet with people if they want to do a podcast? Are you kind of doing some of that or mentoring in a way or, um, yeah. What's that look like? I am a fan of people doing podcasts. I mean, I, I'm not thinking like, oh, nobody else do podcasts so that everyone only <laughs> listens to the happy hour. Absolutely not. I mean, I've said a thousand times, yes, you can do it. You can do mm-hmm. it. Um, I think it is such a great outlet. Mm-hmm. It really is. And women can find their voice there. They can find their space. And not everyone's going to love the happy hour. And mm-hmm. I'm okay with that, you know, but they might really love another show. And so... I'm a real big encouragement for women if that's a dream of theirs to start it. And so I ha- I've done two, you know, breakout sessions at conferences about podcasting. And that's a lot of fun for me. It that's really great. is. Um, and then I did an online course with another um, group about podcasting. And so mm. I am not going to tell you what kind of mic you need. Or for people to not call during the middle of the You're good. I'm not going to tell you what kind of mic you need or the technical stuff because you know what? I still like go through the motions. I'm not sure about that. But I do love helping people just figure out like how do I, how do, I do this? How do mm-hmm. I tell stories? How do I invest in people this way? Um, so I do like some like online mentoring and stuff. And it's a lot of fun for me to see people start shows. It really is. Like I literally, when I tell you I'm so proud of you, it's just so exciting. It really is. It really is. So. Well, thank you yeah. so much. And I mean, I know your world is just crazy right now. So I thank you for um, I'm so glad. sitting with me today. And I know this is so fun for people to hear from you on that side. I know you do it some, but like, I know people will just want to hear. Yeah. Um, thank you for asking that me. That side of yeah. just in your story. And um, I was going to say too, just that I think that in closing, like um, one of the the things that has surprised me the most in probably the last three or four years of my life is pouring into other people and just helping. Um, for me, it's helping to raise up women worship leaders mm-hmm. and I do some mentoring online as well. And, um, it's just, there's, there's nothing like it when you, um, I can't have a ton of avail- availability and I always explain that more on my children than I yeah. do like that. I'm a worship leader uh-huh. than I'm a songwriter, but like, um, but be- being available, to people who are um, have the same dream or mm-hmm. want to do the same thing, I just think that there's um, a real blessing and fulfillment, like you said. Like, just God will continue to bless what you're doing, you know, as you're helping people um, kind of plant that yeah. seed into the ground and get that going. And there's just um, nothing like it when you're able to sort of do what you love and keep doing what you love while also kind of bringing I love it. people along. Yeah. And I mean, people have done that for me. It's beautiful. You know what I mean? It may not be that they've done it for me in podcasting, but they've done it for me in other ways. And yeah. it's it's life-giving to have someone mm-hmm. that is, like, you know, steps in front of you, look mm-hmm. at you and say, I think you can do this. Yeah. I mean, that changes people's, like, life almost. Not like Jesus changes your life, but that really makes someone yeah. go, okay, okay, I can do this. I can yeah. Do this. yeah. So it's fun to be the person to say that. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for saying that 
to me yes. as well. So you can do it. I'm so proud of you for doing it. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks again. Thank you. So lovely to have you. Well, my hope is that if somehow you didn't know about Jamie before, and if you've not subscribed yet to her podcast, The Happy Hour, that you'll do so. I know that Jamie is so well-loved in the If Gathering family um, and is always so highly spoken of. So it was just neat for me to get to see firsthand how she's living her life and hear a little bit more about how she discovered her cause, if you will, and how she's obviously trusting God with it all. Side note, when someone is willing to come alongside you and cheer you on and you're literally doing the exact same thing that they are and they don't consider you a threat or competition, that's someone who's trusting God with their cause. And that's what I see in Jamie. And it's just so inspiring. Be sure to stay tuned to my Instagram to watch out for the next podcast dropping. That's at Christy Knuckles. Thank you again for all of your encouragement through the past few weeks. I'm so blessed to get to be a part of your week. Have a glorious rest of your day and I'll talk to you soon.